Welcome to episode 317 of the Design Details Podcast. I'm Brian Levin. And I'm Marshall Bach. Welcome back for another episode. Brian, the eternal question, dark mode. Today, we answer it. We have the answer. I guess dark mode, just saying dark mode isn't a question, but... We solved dark mode. <laughs> yes. We're going to. <laughs> Stay tuned. Stay tuned for the solution to all of your dark mode woes. But before that, if you're enjoying the show, this is your first time listening. If you're a long-time listener, we are now a listener-supported show through Patreon. If you want to help us pay the costs that it costs to make this show possible, head over to patreon.com slash design details. Every dollar really means a lot. So thank you. And on that note, we have some new supporters this week yeah. who have decided to support the show. One of which is a golden microphone, which is our way of keeping companies that we love involved in the show without a super long ad read. So our first golden microphone is from Sisu. You might recognize them from our interview with Michi Kao a few weeks back. Sisu is looking for a thoughtful and data savvy designer to help build the next generation of analytic software. You can find out more about that job at sisu.ai. That's S-I-S-U dot A-I. Thank you, Sisu. We also have a bunch of new supporters, uh, individual supporters. Thank you so much to Alex Zukoski, Derek Graham, John Wood, Justin Allen, Lisa Pesok. Pesok? I'm so sorry. Sure. Manuel Solera, Sam Bernhardt. Y'all are the best. Thank you. The best. Thank you. True believers. Day ones, they count as day ones, right? Sadly, no. Sadly, no. no? All of these folks post first week. Actually, I think John Wood made the cut. So John Wood will be a day one. But he was before last Wednesday? Yeah, I think John Wood was the 1st of October, which was on Tuesday. Okay. So to everyone else, you are so close. Day, day one. Twos. Day, day two. Day two. <laughs> which also hold a special place in our heart. Yes. I love all of my patrons. Yes. All right, we've got some follow-up as well. Marshall. Yeah, so last week we talked about Android 10 gestures and how they relate to iOS and all the cool little stuff in that menu of gestures. And we kind of systematically went through them, but I, I left off a couple. And they're actually some of the more delightful little gestures. So one that I forgot to mention that I think is really fun is flip camera. Brian, I, I told you about this before we started recording. I had a moment of delight. Like yeah, you, yeah. The, the purest way of saying I was delighted. Yeah, I could hear it in your voice as well. And and it's funny because that's like the thing that designers are always like, you know, we're trying to spark delight, you know, like <laughs> a moment of joy, right? Yeah. We want to make a delightful interface. Well, guess what? It worked this time. So what you do is when you're in the camera app, if you give your phone a little twist a couple times, it'll flip it around to the selfie and you twist it a couple times, it goes back to the normal camera. It's a nice really like finger free gesture. If you're holding your phone, you can do the gesture without without any problem. So, so good. Like you can see in your head or remember every time when you wanted to like if you're taking a group selfie with you and a bunch of people. You take out your phone, you open the camera app, you hold it up, and then you awkwardly realize that it's facing the other way. And the <laughs> flip to to front facing camera buttons like at the top, and so you have to do the whole dance. Oh, hold on, hold on. Let me uh, peck away at my phone here for a second. Yeah, okay, yeah. now we can take the picture. Nope, nope. Just give it a little twist. A little twist. Love it. So there's that. And then uh, another camera gesture is jump to camera from your lock screen. Or actually, I think it might work anywhere. Uh, you can try this out. I don't have my Android phone right in front of me, Ryan. But I think I think it works anywhere. So if you double click the lock button or the, I'm not sure what they call it, but the 
the button that isn't a volume button, <laughs> the only other button on the phone, if you double click that, it'll take you straight to the camera app. It does it from anywhere on the phone, even if it's unlocked. That's nice. Gives you a nice little haptic, tells you the camera's opening. It's great. Because you, when you want to take a picture, it's like immediate, right? Yeah, you do not want to be like panning around your grid of apps looking for the camera icon. Yeah, and you, I mean, you could always throw it in control center, right? Like that's an option too, but... I don't know. Just having it right there at a finger's press is a really nice feature to have. Double click. Now you're in camera. Capture that moment. (laughs) Capture that Kodak moment on Android. All right. Next follow up on Sunday, I got in the little side project mood. Boy, you did. Well, I was thinking, all right, we we said we're going to list all of the new supporters on our Patreon. We're going to list them somewhere. The question is where. Like we could put them on the Spec FM site, but it just felt a little bit weird to sort of fit that part of our specific show onto the Spec FM website. An infinite sidebar. Yeah, like that sidebar, like where would it go? Because that list is going to grow. So anyways, I was like, so we have designdetails.fm is a domain name that we've owned since we started the show. But it's always just redirected. Like we never used it or maybe we used it at the very beginning, but then eventually we just said, all right, whatever, we'll just redirect it to spec.fm. So anyways, that seemed like a prime candidate to just revive and have that be the dedicated surface for all the new things that we're trying. So mm-hmm. the the listener supported stuff, all that's going to end up on the design details website. So that's designdetails.fm. Rebuilt it on Sunday. It's pretty simple and lightweight right now. But it's nice. But it's nice. I kind of like it, you know? It's really good. Yeah. yeah. Um, I just added a change yesterday where it loads the, the most recent episode that we've published at the very top. So otherwise, it kind of bounces you out to Spec FM to get to all the show notes and stuff like that. But there's like a little getting started guide for new listeners. So if you know somebody who wants to, to check out the show but is intimidated by the fact that there's 300 episodes in the backlog, it's like, here's here's where to start. So little things like that. Uh, so you can check it out. That's designdetails.fm. Let us know what you think. Hope you like it. Quick update, actually, since you mentioned it. Uh, one of the episodes that we recommend is our Principles of Design episode, which, uh, since we put it out, has climbed the ranks of most downloaded episodes. I think it's, what is it now, three or two? Number two right now. Number two, right under... Our episode with Laurie Kaplan. Yeah, which which was a huge one. So, like, it's really awesome that, that an episode that I was on uh, has made it into the, like, top two. That's really yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah, we'll have, like, another follow-up when that hits number one. Because I feel like that'll be cool to have a act two episode, you know, sort of peak. That'd be great. All right, a little more follow-up. We got some notes from you, our listeners, this week. So we got a message from Derek Graham. Sent us just the sweetest, nicest note. The nicest. We won't read the whole thing. It's long, and it's kind of for Marshall and I. It was really sweet. But uh, Derek said, you know, thank you so much for the show, keeping it going with a new format with Marshall. I started listening over three years ago and did some binge listening to catch up. So that's been great. Thank you, Derek. Yeah, really appreciate those those personal messages. We also got a couple tweets this week since our last episode. Our first one comes from Keaton Taylor. Keaton said, shout out to Marshall Bach on design details for also being too old <laughs> to have an inbuilt affinity for Pokemon or SpongeBob. I'm not alone. <laughs> you are not alone. And, and also he included a kick-ass <laughs> gif of Thundercats. Yeah. Of uh, the sword. Oh yeah, so this was the, a little behind the scenes, but our editor Drew did ask if he could name the episode Thundercats and TRL. <laughs> uh, which would be relevant, but not as descriptive of the episode content yeah. as we'd want. Uh, so Thundercats and TRL. So thanks, Keaton. And then we also got a tweet from Sahil Chaturvedi. Sahil says, I'm late to episode 315, 
but just wanted to say I love the move to listener supported and as always love the transparency and openness to iterate on feedback. So thank you, Sahil. Appreciate that. Yeah. Thank you. All right, Marshall, we're through yes. follow up. Let's get into some dark mode. Should we solve this? Yeah. You ready? The listener question that sparked it all. Okay, so I, I think the only the only place to start this is from the article that Brandon Moore sent as part of his question. So this article goes through and very systematically describes why pure black should not be an option for your backgrounds. And, and when we talk about backgrounds, we're talking about the body background of either a static or scrollable feed, right? We're not talking about headers and footers, although that will come into the conversation later, but we're, we're just talking about the body background. All right. So pure black, why is that bad? Well, on OLED screens, which is a more common thing now if you have a phone from the last few years, on OLED screens, the pixels actually turn off when they're black. So the amount of light coming through them can be zero, which is why OLED screens are so great in the dark and why they're great for TVs. But the problem is that because each individual pixel has to turn on if it wants to be anything other than black, there's a slight delay. And when you're scrolling through a feed and you have white text on pure black background, those pixels take a little bit of time to turn on and turn off and you end up with this smearing effect. This is very obvious. There's GIFs in this, in this article that you can check out. So how do you overcome that? Well, the way to overcome that is to make sure that those pixels aren't actually black. They're already on a little bit, but dark enough that they still appear to be black. And he goes through and <laughs> systematically figures out what level of barely not black is the right level. Right. So it turns out that right around a grayscale of five, where zero is black and 255 is white, that's, according to him, just black enough to look like black to the human eye, but gray enough to stop that black smearing that I was referring to earlier. So the there's a question of like, well, if you want to actually save a bunch of battery life, you want to make the screen black. Turns out that's not necessarily true. It's a, it's a, a sliding scale. So when you have a pixel that is 100% brightness and full white, that uses 100% of power and zero when it's full black, but it's a gradation between those. So if, if you have a background that's not black, if it's a little bit gray, that doesn't necessarily mean that you'll be consuming a ton more power, but you'll, you'll be saving a lot more than if it was white, right? So there's still a ton of savings as far as energy goes. It doesn't have to be 100% black. Okay, so now that we've figured out that we shouldn't actually use black because of the smearing thing, what about that halation thing that we were talking about earlier? What is halation? What's halation? Yeah. Halation, the root of the word is, I believe, halo. <laughs> the popular video game uh, released on <laughs> Xbox. <laughs> we'll insert the theme here. Um, <laughs> so when, if you've ever seen a light, if you wear glasses or contacts or anything, you'll notice that if you look at a light and at nighttime, there's a halo around that light. Same thing happens on your screen. When a, when a pixel brightens up, it, there's a halo effect around that pixel, and it's exaggerated when it's a white pixel on a black background. You with me? I'm with you. And to be specific, halation effect can be defined as the effect caused by the spreading of light beyond its proper boundaries to form a fog around the edges of a bright image. But basically, yeah, you shouldn't put pure white on pure black. And the the more you reduce that huge contrast, not only will that halation effect be reduced, but also you'll reduce strain on any user's eyes. So what have we learned, Brian? So the common arguments for the OLED display, I think this article and in practice are quite quickly debunked. Like 
The pure black straight up causes pixel smearing. It causes halation when used with pure white text. And the power consumption is is not just a binary like all or nothing, right? So we've gone through that. Uh, so the question now remains like, all right, well then what colors should I use if I'm designing for a dark mode? Should I, mm -hmm. should I use pure black? Because that's what Apple says to do. Should I use this like almost nearly black according to this article that looks black to the human eye but helps prevent that smearing? Should it be something else like a, a really dark gray, almost a charcoal? Uh, I would call like the, the material spec uh, hex one two one two one two. It's like a dark, pretty dark gray, but quite clearly not black. Mm -hmm. Or should you do something else? Should you tint like a dark color for your app? Like if your app's brand color is blue, should you do a dark blue? Yeah, and there's some really good examples of that last option that you mentioned. So Twitter, for example, if you look at the Twitter, I believe it's just the iPad app now. On when I check it on my my phone, dark mode for Twitter is pure black. It appears. I haven't, I haven't uh, checked it with an eyedropper, but it, it looks very, very dark, and it doesn't have any blue tinting whatsoever. But because Twitter is a has a blue brand, they have a slight blue tinting to their app, and it, and it adds some flavor to everything, and it doesn't just feel like grayscale, right? Similar thing with Twitch. I think they recently updated and removed it, but for the longest time, they had a dark purple desaturated for the backgrounds and, and for headers and footers. But it's usually a really good opportunity to incorporate your brand color. Now, this breaks down if your brand color is like orange or yellow or red. <laughs> Don't do that. But if you're in the if you're in the cool side of the the color wheel, you can you can get away with having a darker desaturated version of your brand color for the background. So this is where we bump into problems of like the OS itself as well as the hardware that the OS is running on. It's like if you do a, a tinted dark mode, like a dark blue, it is very clearly not part of the system. Like you, it will be immediately identifiable that you're not using the human interface guidelines or using material. Uh, so your app will stand out and that can be a good thing, but it can also be a bad thing. If it's obvious, it might distract people from using the app. They have to think about like why is this feeling out of place compared to the rest of my apps which all use sort of the system defaults additionally i think there's the hardware element so i think part of the appeal of the oled display is the fact that you can have off pixels appears you know pure black next to a pure black bezel on the phone gives this really nice appearance of sort of an edgeless screen, right? It goes right. all the way up to your hand. Yeah, it just blends into the phone. Yeah, and it's a really, really nice aesthetic. And if you break from that, then you know, you're getting away from what probably the the designers that built this hardware and, and the screens were maybe the effect they were hoping to achieve. So mm -hmm. that would be a trade-off to consider. Yeah, but um, if you keep it if you keep it dark enough, you can still do that, you know, five out of two fifty-five and maintain relatively dark enough that unless you're in a pitch black room, it's it's indistinguishable from the screen edge, right? Yeah. But to be sure, I think this is something that has been taken into account by not only the software designers, but hardware designers, I think are maybe thinking about this or it's a thing done in tandem. But if you consider older phones, when you bought a phone that wasn't like space gray or black or dark, an iPhone or, or other, any sort of Android phone, they would have this, the body color would be on the, the forehead and the chin of the phone. You know yeah. what I mean? Uh -huh. Like when you bought a gold phone before it had a white face, right? 
And now, because the whole face is screen, there is no chin and forehead. So that that bezel that they put around the the face of the phone is pure black, regardless of what color you got, right? So so now it's like the whole front of the screen wants to be black, and when it's off, it looks you know seamless. And when you turn it on and it's OLED, it also looks seamless if you use that dark black. All right, so we've listed. I think these are like all the pros and cons. So Marshall. Do you have your opinion on the correct way to implement a dark mode? All right, so those are our options, right? We have we have black, near black, charcoal, and tinted. Those are those are basically our options. Where do I fall? Um, I think I'm somewhere near somewhere in between near black and charcoal. Interesting. All right, I think I'm in the almost black camp. I would say I'm in between almost black and black. Basically, when I've asked other people this question in person and anyone who's ever defended the pure black, a common answer is the hardware will catch up, right? Like OLED screens will improve to reduce the problems that we've enumerated above, right? Like pixel smearing will become a thing of the past when screen pixels can turn on and off faster, so fast to be as imperceptible, right? Mm -hmm. So some people are saying just choose the pure black and, and let the hardware catch up. I think that's still probably the right idea, but the wrong solution. I think we should make that flip in our implementation when the hardware is ready, not in anticipation of the hardware. Agree. So for that reason, I'm in the almost black camp. Like, let's solve the pixel smearing. Let's solve the halation. Uh, we take a marginal hit to battery life. The human eye still perceives it as black. So you still get the nice aesthetic of it blending into the, the bezel of your phone. And then as hardware progresses, sure, let's make that switch. So that, that's why I'm in the almost black camp leaning towards pure black over time. Yeah, I think I think there's definitely an option for pure black. Okay, let's let's talk about some of the drawbacks of uh, going with a really dark background. The near black. And near and near black. So I, I think we need to take into account elevation and hierarchy. So here's an example. You probably, dear listener, you probably have Instagram installed on your phone if if you're statistically average. <gasps> Which notably does not have a dark mode, so. <laughs> Which, yeah, does not have a dark mode, but... But I think we can learn something from their light mode. So if you if you look at the app on your phone, I'm not sure what it looks like on Android, but uh, at least on iOS, the the nav bar and the tab bar at the top and bottom of the screen are gray with a hairline stroke dividing those bars from the body background, which is white, and it creates a really interesting, almost like illusion of a surface that based on your human brain's understanding of how things usually work, the lighter thing should probably be above the darker thing, right? So the, the body background feels like it's elevated above the gray header and footer, but when you scroll, obviously it goes under, and it's a strange dichotomy where it's like, well, this feels like it should be above based on the color, but based on the interaction, it looks like it's actually behind, and it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a strange paradox, right? So, so I think... There's an argument to be made that any header and footer should at least be the same color as the body background of anything that scrolls under it, if not lighter. Do you agree with me, Brian? Yeah, I, I would fall in the lighter camp or take into account like a scroll position. I think I probably align with, I don't know, I'm such a fanboy when I say it like this, <laughs> but I probably align with like the iOS way of things where you can have a view that has a single background color for 
at least the nav bar and the body background. Mm -hmm. But when you scroll, there becomes sort some sort of distinction between the nav bar and the body. Usually a with seam, yeah. the uh, hairline divider. Plus, if you're using a stock nav bar, you get that sort of visual effect blurred background. But at the very least, you could turn it pure white so that your back your body will be a light gray or white and your nav bar will be a white with a divider. I think that probably feels like the best solution. So in this case, yeah, it's inverted from that on Instagram and it's odd. I don't know why. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Maybe it's an aesthetic decision. Yeah, I'm not entirely sure. I think if you're if the product you're working on primarily displays media, that media is more likely to look good on either pure white or pure black, right? This is why most photo and video editing apps are are dark mode by default, right? Yes. So I think maybe the the thing that Instagram was thinking was that, you know, these photos look better on white than than a muddy gray, right? But we still want our header and footer to be separate feel feel like separate surfaces from the body background. So we'll make them a different color. Well, we can't go lighter than white. So I guess we'll we'll go a little bit darker with a with a light gray. Yeah, and I'm sure maybe at some point they experimented with the like blur, but I would imagine that the blur muddies up the interface, especially like if they're trying to have this pure focus on the photos and blurring it might be like sacrilege. I don't know. Yeah, and and there's definitely an emphasis on the media, right? They they recently removed well not recently, a while ago they removed all of the color from their icons and everything, it's all just black and white, right? Or, or grayscale. So how does this apply to dark mode? Well, in dark mode, even if you have, even if you do go pure black, you're probably going to want to go a little bit lighter for your nav bar and your tab bar, or your header and footer, whatever your app uses. So, so even then you lose kind of that screen, that sweet seamless screen edge that we were talking about earlier, right? So now you have to think, okay, what is what is the delta between the darkness of my body background and the darkness of my header and footer background, right? Yep. So and there's an interesting, I, I've been playing around with this recently, and if I don't like the 0 to 255 thing, I'm just going to talk in 0 to 100 brightness because <laughs> it's a little bit easier for me to, my brain to translate. Metric, Brian, not not imperial. <laughs> okay. So yeah, for our, for our listeners across the pond. So I think anything less than a 2% or maybe even 3% difference in colors is almost imperceivable between the two surfaces, right? So if you really want your header and footer to stand out from the background and feel like they are above them, you kind of need to go at least two or three shades of brightness lighter, especially if you don't plan on using like a divider to, to separate those surfaces at the top and bottom. And, and as you add all of these new elements, it starts to add noise and cruft to the, to the interface. And I think it's really interesting that some apps have, have decided to just go black all the way. So Brian, we've mentioned Apollo on the show before. It's a, it's a Reddit, third-party Reddit app. And I think it's made by one guy. He's introduced a pure black dark mode, right? Where normally, uh, if you have that turned off, that's a special setting you have to turn on. If you have that turned off, it is a grayscale and a relatively light grayscale, if I do say so myself. But he he does the thing of having lighter headers and footers and a darker feed background. Unless you go into settings, in which case he has darker. It's inverted. It drives me nuts. Yeah, yeah it drives me nuts too. Yeah. I'm wondering if this is a more standard iOS screen. Because there's a similar thing if, uh, sorry, we're getting into the weeds here, but there's a similar thing if, like, if you open mail in iOS, say on an iPad, in dark mode, the cells of the list, you know, each row 
is a lighter gray than even the header and footer are a light gray. Correct, right. Which, again, makes them feel like they're in a higher elevation than the header and footer. And when I scroll them, they it looks like they should go over the footer, but they don't. They go under. Well, so this gets into how the different platforms are approaching elevation. Because like, there's also the problem of how you, how do you handle modals in dark mode. Mm-hmm. So in, in light mode, when you have a modal, you can rely on some sort of scrim, like semi-transparent black overlay behind the modal. Uh, you can rely on drop shadow as ways of preserving you know, spatial awareness of what UI elements go where. Elevation, yeah. Yeah, in dark mode, you don't have that or at least you get a reduced effect uh, or impact from a drop shadow, right? Can't have a shadow on black. Yeah, so what do you do? And so I think it's it's interesting to see the way the two platforms have approached this. So on iOS, they basically have a set of system colors for base views and then a set of system colors for elevated views. And those elevated views are a semi-transparent gray so that you can technically elevate forever and it would just keep stacking like a semi-transparent sort of medium gray uh, on top of other layers yeah like a like a two percent white yeah and then in material they're much more systematic in keeping uh, with their elevation specs so in, in material they have a very mathematical elevation spec for the size of shadows and the way things move up and down in the z index space and so for material in dark mode when you want to move up and down elevation, you apply a semi-transparent white scrim to the base of your component. So like 1% white on top of a pure black is elevation, you know, one dip. And then that works all the way up to, I think, 24 dips is the highest elevation. And at that point, it's like a 16% white transparent scrim on top of a black base. Yeah, that'd be like a modal dialogue. Yeah. Which is an interesting way to do it. And this goes to uh, reinforce the thing I was saying earlier about lighter means closer, right? Higher up. Yeah, I think it was really nicely captured in the WWDC video about designing for iOS 13, which the presenter reminded the audience that dark mode is not an inversion. You can't just take white things and make them black and then take gray things and make them like some inverted color version of that gray. Mm Mm-hmm. Dark mode is dimming the lights. So things that are still closer to the surface or closer to the viewer and that source of light should still be lighter, right? So if you're looking at, for example, in in the iOS settings view, like those table cells, just because they're white in light mode, they should not be black in dark mode. They should be a light gray because they're still higher in the Z index. Mm-hmm. So I've, I keep coming back to that idea myself that it's just dimming the lights, but you're able to preserve that the lightness represents closer to the screen, right? Yeah, you're reducing the brightness uniformly all the way down. Another thing that iOS or Apple has introduced is a stroke, a light stroke around any elevated surface, right? So you have, and this is really apparent on on macOS in dark mode, where every window has both a white stroke all the way around and outside of that, a black stroke with some opacity so that no matter what surface, whatever the background is, it's always protected by black and white, which is effective, but also, to my eye, noisy. (laughs) Really noisy, yeah. Yeah, I don't think I'm alone on that. But I understand the reasoning for it, and I, I think it's a reasonable trade-off for the for the average user to be able to be able to differentiate between one window and another 
but to a designer's eye, it just looks overwrought, I guess. Yeah, I think, I mean, dark mode on Mac OS is also a whole other beast, the way that they approach this. And I think the one thing that stands out to me the most is the entire dark mode on Mac OS is different for every user depending on the wallpaper that you have. Like <laughs> all of your windows, or at least system implemented windows and, and nav bars and things like that, for your applications, they all get tinted based on the part of the wallpaper behind it. So mm -hmm. in this case, it's like you don't choose the color, you choose the vibrancy and the strength of that color coming through. Mm -hmm. So it feels much more of an abstract, like higher level decision than iOS, where you actually have to pick the values that you want to, to be used for your base layers and such. Yeah, the only time that you actually see through to the background is on like private API stuff like OS stuff like uh, looking at your cards and wallet if if you're on top it, it'll let the background shine through I believe even though it's blurred and darkened anyways we don't have access to that so we we have to make the decision and I guess you could put your own image in the background or, or use <laughs> yeah media but so since you mentioned the inversion thing let's let's talk a little bit about contrast so in light mode you shouldn't have I'm gonna say shouldn't these are these are just like standards to, to go by best practices doesn't mean you can't do it you can do it the fuck you want to you're a designer the world is your <laughs> oyster but but uh, you probably shouldn't put a pure black object on white especially if that's text or an icon you should reduce that contrast especially if you're going to continue to have a pure white background you should reduce the contrast of your icons and text such that the contrast is lower and uh, it's a it's a again a charcoal color which will appear black to the average user but if you you know eyedropper it you can tell that it's not exactly black and the same is true in dark mode you shouldn't have pure white text not only for the halation thing but also for eye strain and that contrast so like uh, even down to like eb 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 right like 92% white yeah is is probably the peak of where you should go any any brighter than that just screams at your eyes in the dark uh, which is likely the environment that your user is going to be in when they're using dark mode, especially now that it's all system controlled. Most apps, I believe now and in the future as they adopt this, are going to mostly defer to the system theme uh, to theme themselves. Do you agree with that? Yeah. So, okay. Given these best practices, can we play speculation mode? Why do you think it is that iOS 13 breaks both of those rules? iOS 13 not only went pure black, but they also went pure white text on the pure black background in dark mode. Why do you think they did that? I don't know. I don't know. They're designers. They can do whatever the hell yeah, they like, want. Does it look better? Does it does it look does it look prettier? Like if we're playing the aesthetic game, does it look better to to have the pure black, pure white? Yeah, I mean it gives good screenshot, right? Like I mean it, it's it's aesthetically pleasing, but all of the pitfalls that I listed before are ones that I experience on a daily basis in dark mode on iOS using the stock apps, and I use a lot of stock apps. Yeah, it's really confusing to me. Like given all of these trade offs, that they wouldn't make at least a concession on the you know nearly dark black background instead of just going pure black. Especially the pixel smearing, like it is noticeable. And once you notice it, you can't unnotice it. Like when you see uh -huh. your interface wiggling, basically, I think people are calling it the wiggle. It's like a jello wobble. When you see it, your interface wiggling every time you scroll it because the pixels are catching up, that looks bad, right? Like I think we can all agree that that doesn't look good. So I feel like one aesthetic 
choice was made, you know, to the detriment of this other one. And I'm not sure I would have chosen the same, but I'm also not a designer at Apple. So (laughs) (laughs) yeah, maybe they know something we don't know. They must know something we don't like. Maybe that, you know, maybe they're all hanging out with iPhone 12s and iPhone 12s solve the problem. So (laughs) this looks great on my iPhone 15. I don't know what you're talking about. (laughs) Yeah. You peons. (laughs) (laughs) I guess one, one thing that, that strikes me as interesting is that as a difference between material and iOS is that Apple has had a huge emphasis on accessibility in recent years, and they've done a ton of work to make it more prevalent, not only in settings, but increasing the number of features they've built specifically for the minority of people who it will make their lives better, right? They've done a ton of work. So, and Google is very similar. There's a, I mean, like the, the mission is, you know, make the world's information universally accessible, blah, 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 right? Like universally accessible. Part of that is making sure everybody can see it and, you know, it works for everybody. So they've built that into the system. And it's interesting that Apple hasn't in the same way because they have just as much emphasis, maybe more, I don't know, but they, they both very much apparently care about accessibility. And I feel like this is an accessibility thing that one has built into the system, the other hasn't. Yeah. Yeah. Well, if you're listening and you happen to work at Apple and you want to back channel us some inside scoop, we would appreciate yeah. it. Tell us why we don't get it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Or you, dear listener, if you know something that we don't know, tell us. So we actually did ask everybody. So we tweeted out a poll on the Design Details FM Twitter account. Mm-hmm. And we have how many replies? 300? Over 300. Yeah. Yeah. So we got 300 replies. Should we go through those? Or not 300 replies, 300 votes, and then a handful of like mention replies, yeah. So let's let's see where where you thought this should land. All right, so I already know the results, but I'll, I'll tell you that it's not what I expected. Really? What did you expect? All right, so the three, there were four options on this poll. We said, would you go with the pure black, 000, the nearly black, 050505, or the material spec sort of dark gray, which is 121212, or other? I expected the 050505 to be the most obvious choice given what we've discussed in the episode. It's it's so close aesthetically to the intended effect, yet solves a lot of the trade-offs. I personally think that 121212 is too bright and looks bad. So anyways, that was what I expected to happen. I expected that nearly black to win. Yeah, I would have guessed there would be I, I would have guessed that zero would have won. Oh, really? Just because of iOS? Just because of iOS, and because we're asking designers and design, designers <laughs> like like purity, right? Yeah, yeah. Let me let me ask you this. So, did you think that o five o five o five was going to win by plurality or over half? Over half. I think it's the most logical one, <laughs> and I'm just in my head at this point. But uh, I expected it to be like the most logical middle ground of all the trade-offs to make. Yeah, and I, I, I too was surprised by the outcome of this poll. If I was wrong, I would have expected 05 to win, right? I would not have expected 1-2 to win, which let's give some percentages. So 0, pure black, 27%, quarter. 0, 5, the almost black, 26%, another quarter. 1-2, 1-2, 35%, a plurality, Brian. Yes. And other is 12 
So the largest bucket was 1212, which really surprises me because the gulf between 05 and 12 is massive. Yeah, it's huge. Like if you go look at the material spec, you're like, wait, really? That's pretty bright. Here's a slight consideration to that, though. 1212 is bright at 100% brightness. But if you take into account the a, a dimming of the brightness of the screen, which probably happens automatically based on ambient light sensing on your device then that actually is darker than it would appear. Ah, that's a good point. That is a good point. We didn't talk about the uh, ambiance. <laughs> There's so many factors to take, in, to take into account here. You know, I got to say, the more time I spend in Colorland, the more I'm convinced that my decisions ultimately won't ever really matter that much. Like what I'm doing is setting some sort of abstraction for relativeness of color to convey hierarchy. But between all of the things that change a user's display, not only the accessibility settings, but also brightness, night shift, true tone, and then you know the way ambient light will will move control all of these things. Yeah. In addition to the fact that color is just relative anyway. So if you have an interface with a big photo on it, like the colors around that appear to be of you know, absorbing that color from the photo. Mm -hmm. It's like, it doesn't, no one gives a shit if your interface (laughs) was some pure white or not. Like if it's bleeding out from, from the media or the content of your app. Not to mention the average user doesn't give a fuck. They don't, they don't notice. (laughs) They don't care. They don't notice and they don't care. Yeah. So, you know, the podcast was called design details. I'm glad we went into the details, but anyways, I don't know. Do you feel (laughs) the same way that I do that the more time I spend thinking about these like, perfect details the more i realize that it it's all pretty arbitrary when it gets into the user's hands and what i'm actually trying to solve for is the relativeness to convey hierarchy that's all i'm doing yeah and i i think in this particular instance yeah i think the main thing to think about is yeah exactly that the hierarchy and and contrast between elevations yeah. if that's if that's something that you want to emphasize yeah so you know what everyone just Use whatever colors you freaking want. <laughs> well, what did, what did people say from the other? Yeah, so we got some tweets. So Chantastic says, uh, well, I guess there was an early pure black lead because Chantastic tweeted that the early lead uh, for pure black hurt hurt their heart. Sorry. Uh-huh. And Spooky John Flynn, maybe it's just John Flynn and because it's October, he's Spooky John Flynn. <laughs> or maybe John guess. Flynn is truly spooky. <laughs> <laughs> so spooky. He says, uh, thought this was a podcast for designers. That's kind of what I said earlier. <laughs> Like, my guess is that John Flynn expected 0-0 to win as well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, We got a tweet from Joshua Taylor who said, this is an easy chance for subtle branding. I've been leaning towards something with a subtle blue slash cool hue. So I think, yeah, that's what we mentioned with the Twitter app. They do that on iPad. It's a good point. I just, yeah. Trade-offs abound. I think the trade-off there is, you know, you risk uh, once again standing out from the system, which could be good or could be bad depending on the kind of content or like what you want the experience of your app to to be focused on. We also heard from Ploink, aka Justin Salisbury, who says zero zero zero, while battery efficient, is not eye strain efficient. I value my eyes over my phone battery. I gotta agree with that one. And the delta between the energy you would save between dark gray and black is negligible. Yeah. We also got a tweet from Harshil Shah who said this is also just another option. Multiple themes. Leave it up to the user to decide. Pick a base and allow your interface to basically extend that base in some sort of logical way so that the user could choose whether they prefer pure black, near black, or a sort of 
light or darkish gray. So I think this is kind of what Apollo did, right? Like you can opt into the dark gray night mode, or you can say, I actually just want to go all the way and have pure black everywhere. And then Apollo also has the option to reduce pixel smearing, which bumps it from pure black to the nearly black. So, Mm -hmm. you know, that's the other option is just let the user decide what's most comfortable for them, which maybe is a good answer here. Like, you know. Yeah, it's just a lot of extra work. It's a lot of extra work. And good luck coming up with those specs. That'll be fun. Mm -hmm. We got a few specific hex responses. John Rohan says... Kakaka with a poop emoji. <laughs> poop emoji. Thanks, yeah. John. John's uh, on the design systems team at GitHub. Uh, valuable addition to the conversation. Appreciate it. <laughs> um, made me laugh. Dennis Brodsky says 1C1D22. 1C1D22? Mm-hmm. Oh, that's nice. It's like a cool, it's a very dark, but on the cool spectrum. Nice. He, he also calls anyone who uses 000 a monster, which I, <laughs> I don't agree with. Yeah, so if you're using pure black, in Dennis's eyes, you are a monster. Prepare to be banished. Uh, but if you're a monster, you probably prefer the dark. So, you know. We also heard from uh, George D. Fratilla. I probably pronounced that wrong because there's a lot of extra stuff hanging off of these letters. We got we got little we got little curvy things, and little stuff coming <laughs> little off the squiggly tea. things, little squiggles. I don't know how to pronounce those, but hi George. He says, and I had to look this up. He says I use Eigengrau one six one six one D. Yeah, that's also on the like cool blue but very dark gray side of things. So, so what does Eigengrau mean? What does Eigengrau mean? Yeah, so Eigengrau, I think I'm probably pronouncing that okay, is it's a German word. It means intrinsic gray. And basically, it refers. What? <laughs> there's a German word for this? Dude, there's a German word for everything. Are you kidding? <laughs> I know that's the meme, but like, come on. Oh, okay, good. For the correct dark mode gray? Yeah. Oh, no, it's the, it's the uniform dark gray background that many people report seeing in the absence of light. Holy shit. What? <laughs> you're not actually seeing black. You're seeing this eigengrau. Oh, my God. I learned something new today. This is really interesting. I might have to take this into All right, account. Fuck it. I'm using eigengrau from here on out <laughs> so anyways thanks for the replies uh, if you left us a reply and, and thanks for voting on that poll if you voted we well, we haven't been doing too many polls lately but we should do more these are fun oh yeah and and good response thank you for participating listeners all right should we just get into cool things and wrap yeah, up yeah let's do cool things all right cool i just watched this video today it came out on youtube two days ago on october 1st so this is a video of a talk that Alex Cornell gave. So Alex has been on Design Details before, episode 181, way back in 2017, January 2017. So Alex was uh, a product design lead at Facebook for a while. I worked on Facebook Live, and uh, we overlapped at Facebook for a while, actually. And I got to see some of this dude's prototypes, and they are truly next-level prototypes. Anyways, uh, if you know anything about Alex Cornell, Alex is multidisciplinary, uh, a musician, photographer, artist, videographer, has started companies, uh, you know, was a product design lead, so product designer as well, like basically just does everything and does everything. I hate him already. Quite, yeah, hate Yeah. Very frustrating, very frustrating to be around this person. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyways, Alex has done a series of talks in the last few years that are all bending the idea of what a design talk should be. And the most recent one is no different. So I enjoyed it. 
It's called choosing idea vessels for your creations. What the fuck does that mean, Brian? Yeah. So when you watch it, uh, you'll get into like the first minute and something will happen and you will say, oh, what's going on? Like, what's the hook? And once you realize what's happening, you're kind of in for the whole episode. You're like, all right, I got to play this whole thing out. So it's a 25 minute talk. I watched it earlier today. Really enjoyed it. It's engaging. It's well put together, highly choreographed and orchestrated and very creative and made me really sad that I'll never be able to deliver a talk this creative. Wow. (laughs) So yeah, I need to watch this. We'll have a link in the show notes, but this is uh, Choosing Idea Vessels for Your Creations, which is a talk by Alex Cornell. It was at the awards conference in SF this year. So yeah, that's my cool thing. Cool thing, Brian. Here's mine. Uh, I'm a cheat slightly. I actually have like kind of three, but they all relate to the same thing and I'll be quick. So I've been watching YouTube. It's what? what I do. Marshall. It's always on in the background. This and is a new behavior. I know. I know. I'm changing my ways. So I was, I was watching stuff and the algorithm picked a thing for me. It was like, hey, do you like spray paint? And I'm like, yeah, I like, I like murals. murals <laughs> yeah, I'm on into walls. that. Cool. Yeah, I'm into that. And I clicked on this video and this guy painting a mural on the side of a wall in New York City, like over the course of three days. And his style was so fucking cool. And I haven't drawn in forever. I used to draw all the time. And I was, it was really inspiring. The guy's name is Vex. And his style is like, he, he does these great combinations of stylized but realistic looking animals that fade off into these cartoony characters and this collage jumble of different objects that he he likes, right? And it's it's hard to describe, but the style is really cool. And I was like, that's awesome. I wonder if I can draw like that. So I was like, I should start drawing. And I haven't had a lot of time recently, but now I, I actually, I've gotten some stuff done that I need to get done and I have some free time on my hands. So I've been drawing a little bit more very recently and I've been using an app on my iPad called Procreate. Brian, have you heard of Procreate? Yeah, I have. Yeah, I haven't used it in a while, but here's my, here's the third part is it's Inktober. It's October, it's Inktober. <laughs> uh-huh. And every day is is a new prompt for a thing to draw, which is which is really cool. So I figured now's a, a good time to start this since it's Inktober. And I, I was using uh, Paper by 53 and it's good, but it's not like, it doesn't have, it's not Photoshop on iPad, right? It's like relatively simple, beautiful, gorgeous, really well-designed app, but didn't have all the power I wanted with layers and everything. So I was like, oh, let me check out Procreate. I haven't, I haven't used this in a while. Holy shit. It is <laughs> so advanced now, Brian. So much delight. Can't even contain it. <laughs> it's so good. I was just really impressed with how much they've evolved this product and how incredibly usable it is, uh, especially on iPad, right? Like it's, it is exactly everything that I wanted. It has all of the functionality that I would expect to do painting inside of Photoshop. Photoshop has a billion things, most of which you never use, but like if you're a painter, there are certain things that you want to use to do digital painting. This has all those things, brush styles, layers, blend modes, hiding and showing stuff, be able to quickly change your brush size and opacity and all that stuff. It's it's really, really good. So I've been using that and I've been doing some drawing stuff, completely stealing this guy's style and uh-huh. I'm really enjoying myself, Brian. <laughs> That's awesome, dude. Vex, Inktober, and Procreate. Links in the show notes. Well, good stuff. Uh, good luck with Inktober. I know that that has burned people out in the past, so don't burn out, but as long as it's fun, nah. that's great. I'll, I'll, I'll dip my toe when I have the time. Yep. 
All right. This has been episode 317. Uh, we hope you enjoyed it. Let us know what you thought. We're on Twitter. We're at Design Details FM. Tweet at us, DM us, hit us with some feedback, some follow-up. We really appreciate that as always. If you have your own question, you can ask us on our question hub. It's on github.com slash specfm. Just find your way into the Design Details repo and open an issue there. And we will be uh, replying to that issue if we answer it in a show. Uh, with a link to that episode. It's our new way of you know, sort of keeping track of all these awesome questions. So thank you for everyone who's done that. And if you are enjoying the show, if this was your first episode or your 317th, we would appreciate your support. We're now listener supported and that's on Patreon at patreon.com slash design details. We've got really approachable tiers and every dollar helps us, even if it's just a buck a month. That means a lot to us. So if, if you uh, want to help support the show and, and what it costs for us to make it each week, go to patreon.com slash design details. Everything helps. If you need more podcasts, go to spec.fm. We got shows for designers and developers just like you. And those shows are also produced by our editor and producer, Sarah and Drew. So thank you, Sarah and Drew. And go check out spec.fm if you want to hear more things that Sarah and Drew are working on. Otherwise, we will catch you next week. We look forward to talking to you all on the internet in the meantime. This is normally where I would say bye, but Brian, we had a new idea from Derek Graham, actually, who sent us that very nice letter. He, he had suggested monetizing this, <laughs> as monetizing the goodbye. Monetize the outro. <laughs> yeah, so I think what we might do is put out a post every week and patrons can suggest ways that I should say goodbye. What's the spin you want on the classic goodbye <laughs> from Marshall Bach? What kind of stank should I put on this one? <laughs> Uh, so yeah, we'll, we'll put out a post every week before we record the show and thumb up the suggestions that you like and we'll see if it's a success. In the meantime, bye.